And you know, today in Southern California, this marks the beginning of summer this weekend, right? Doesn't officially start till the 1st of June, but we go early here in SoCal. And uh, if you're a guest here, I want to welcome you. We're closing out a series that we've been doing for the last three weeks. Today's week three on this theme called Choose to Lose. So did you like the video? How many of you have a friend like that girl, Jessica? Okay, super annoying. Okay. How many of you, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you are that friend, Jessica? <laughs> don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. Well, hey, we're doing this series called Choose to Lose, you know, and it's, it's, it's really a great series because we've been talking about anything significant that you want to win, you have to lose, right? And what a great weekend that we get to celebrate. And, and let me just make a correction. I appreciate every single one of our veterans that have served. But let me, help, let me help you understand, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. This is when we celebrate those who have paid the ultimate price. That's what we celebrate tomorrow. So I want to encourage you tomorrow to take time out and, and pray for the families, uh, you know, that have lost loved ones, that uh, have lost their, their, their sons, their brothers, their sisters, uh, in, fighting for our freedom. Uh, and, and, and what a credible sacrifice. And, you know, to think about a nation that we live in where people choose to lose for you, for me, so we can come together like this today and, and hear God's word freely. You know, we don't have to hide and do it. We can pray openly. We can sing openly. We can, we can be, you know, loud and proud about our faith. That came at a price. And you can't do that everywhere in the world. And it's because people chose to lose that we can do that, right? So we're going to continue. Uh, we looked at this verse, this is kind of the overhanging verse that we've been looking at. And if you missed any of the series, you can go back to our website, uh, lighthousecoc.com, and you can re-listen to, you can email to, you can text to the message, anybody who needs this. Uh, sometimes you need to hear it again. But this is the verse that we looked at where Jesus openly said, and it's in all four gospels, this verse. In two of the Gospels, it's repeated twice. Jesus didn't hide this, although it's not a very popular, attractive verse. How many times have you heard this, this verse quoted at a baseball game or at, you know, somewhere else? They don't, they don't quote this verse. This is kind of a skipper. But it's in there. And look what Jesus said. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save it. And so week one, we talked about anything significant that you want to win, you've got to lose a little, right? And we know that. And we've been kind of working backwards. We, we, we started week one with right before Jesus shared this verse. And then last week, Chris Boyer did what happened before, before that, and an incredible story about Jesus walking on the water and Peter came out on the water with him. And we learned a really important thing about you know, when you choose to step out for Jesus and lose, it requires trust and, and faith. But uh, go back and listen to it, because Chris did a really, really great job and, and, and really challenged all of us to, to go forward. And, you know, the truth is, is we all want to win, don't we? We want to win in our family. We want to win in business. We want to win in everything. But Jesus is saying here, if you really want to win something significant and big, you have to be willing to lose. And so today we're going to wrap that up. Today we're going to see what happened after Jesus shared this verse. And so 
We looked at what happened before. Today we're going to look at what happened after. In the day of the life of Jesus, the very next day, what did he do? He, he cast out a demon. You know, and that was a normal day for Jesus. He was fighting demons all over the place. Uh, and then he once again said, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, guys. And he was speaking to the 12, and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, it's going to be rough. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me. He reemphasized what he said. And right after that, we're going to pick up where Luke tells us what happened after Jesus, you know, cast out the demon and shared those words, and we're going to see what he said. And this is one of the points that we made. Sometimes following Jesus feels like choosing to lose. So let's look at this verse that we're... Luke tells us what Jesus did right after he made that statement. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of them in every town and place where he was about to go. So what did Jesus do? I mean, the amazing thing is there was always crowds. He had Jesus, the 12, and then the crowds. And Luke tells us, that from those crowds, 72 people came forward and said, hey, we want to do more, and Jesus chose them. 72 more people. And what's amazing to me is that after hearing that verse about choosing to lose, that there was even 72 people that came forward that were willing to do it. And it says here, he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town. So before he went somewhere, or he was going to go somewhere, he said, I'm going to send you guys to prepare the way. And this is an amazing, amazing illustration, and I appreciate my friends helping me with, the, with my scientific uh, experiment here that I'm going to show you guys. But I wanted to show you, this is what, what happened with the 72. You had the, you had the crowds, right? And then Jesus either by preaching or teaching or healing. He basically, he, he got someone and, and got the, to, in the crowds and he filled, he filled their cup by helping them. And he filled them up and these were the, these were the crowds as they received Jesus' encouragement, his teaching, and, and, and it went so far. And so basically this is the 72. And the 72 represent this, this cup, they received, Jesus poured into them, and they received a lot from Jesus. And they basically said, you know, well, we want to come out from the crowds, and we want to take what we've been given, and we want to pour it into these places that Jesus mentions. We want to go out two by two, and we want to pour into other people. And this is what they did. See, because first it was Jesus, then it was the 12, then it was the 72. So the 72, they took what they got from Jesus that was poured into them, and they went out and poured it into the people in the surrounding cities. And this is amazing, and I want you guys to, to see this principle at work. Jesus could have done this by himself. He could have gone to these places where he was sending them every town where he was about to go. He could have gone himself, but why did he choose 
72 more people. And why 72? And you have to think about that. And he goes on, and, and this is something, a principle that you have to understand about Jesus. Jesus had value for involving people in his ministry. See, because he could have done it himself. He could have said, I'm going to go. Why do I need to send you if I'm going to go? Because Jesus intentionally wanted to involve people in his ministry. And this is not just Jesus. I believe this is what God wants to do. See, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us involved in doing ministry and and doing all the things. He can do it himself, right? But he chooses, he has value in including people. And so he intentionally, he knew the time was coming. And so he models this principle for us of when you get your cup filled, hey, I'm going to choose you from among the crowds. See, because there were just bunches of people and there were crowds. He says, hey, I'm going to choose you because you guys have gotten your cup filled. And so you 72, I'm going to ask you guys to pour what was in your life, what I've given to you, and I'm going to ask you to pour it into these villages in these places. So that's how God works. This is a model for how Jesus did his ministry. So here we are today, the crowds. And you and I have been poured into, wouldn't you agree? We've received a lot. And so we're going to see this principle at work. Jesus goes on and he says, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few in verse 2. He gives us a lesson in agriculture and economics. But basically what Jesus is saying is here, listen, I'm going to bring about a harvest that is so huge, so big. I'm going to do something for for mankind that's going to be the biggest win of all wins. This is going to be a gigantic win for mankind. And I'm going to put that out there for mankind. There is not going to be a shortage of harvest. In fact, I'm I'm just going to fill up the need generously. But... What's there going to be a shortage of? But the workers will be few. What there's going to be a need for is for people that are willing, when they receive the huge harvest that Jesus provides them, and he fills their cup, what there's going to be a need for is like those examples of the 72 who are willing to empty their cup into someone else. And so Jesus goes on and he says this, I want you guys to pray this prayer. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want you guys to pray because this is going to be the biggest need. There'll be crowds, and those crowds are going to receive a lot They're going to get poured into. Their marriage is going to change. Their family is going to change. Jesus is going to step into their lives, and he's going to fix all their stuff, and he's going to to allow them to be forgiven of all the stuff that they've received. They're going to get practical steps on how to get forgiven and get healed. And as you've seen the last few weeks of those of you who've been hanging around, he's not only going to help us with the little things, he's going to help us with all kinds of things, with our finances, how to be rich, 
how to do a lot of things. Next week, we're going to start a whole new series. Let me tell you, I feel, I feel my glass is full. I get a lot from following Jesus. But just as there were crowds, Jesus intentionally called out 72 people to come forward and serve. And so we read on about the 72, and they they poured, and they planted seed. They went through all these towns and villages. And then later in the chapter, Jesus calls them back, and they come back to Jesus. And let's hear what they said. And he goes and he says, I'm, this is his pregame speech before he sends them out. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. How many of you ever heard a pregame motivational speech like that one? And they just fire you up. Yeah, let's go. I'm a sheep and there's going to be wolves out there. You know, and they still went. But Jesus was honest. It's not going to be easy. You guys that go out and you pour yourselves into other people, it's not always going to be easy. There will be rejection. It will be tough. And so he sends them out. They go. And then later they come back in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. So how did they come back? They're fired up. This process, this process of having your cup filled and then you pouring it into other people, this is what they did. They said, this fires us up, Jesus. We are so happy that we got to participate in your ministry. Because we received, and now we turned around and we poured what we had into other people. And what does it say? They returned with joy. It was like kids that had rode a roller coaster for the very first time. They were excited. And they did some powerful things in Jesus' name. And what I want to say is, this principle of how it worked is extended even to us. Then he turned to his disciples. He, he, he looked at the 72 and he gave them a thumbs up and then he turned to the 12 and he looked at the 12 and he said this. He turned to them and he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You guys, you 12, I want you to understand how privileged you are to be a part of this. That this was a dream. They wanted to, they wanted to see the Messiah, these, these kings. We're talking thousands of years. Kings, prophets, they longed to see the Messiah. They longed to see the coming of Jesus and what he was going to do in the world. And he says, guys, you've you got to stop and think about what a privilege it is that you get to see this because so many people before you have wanted to see this. And you know, this is something we've got to realize too. We, you and me, just like the 12 just like the 72, we get to see incredible things happen in our midst. 
don't we? And so Jesus has invited you and me in the same way that he invited the 72, he's inviting you and me into this incredible gift that we get to help other people get right with God. Get in a right relationship with God. And to, to receive the gift of eternity to be right with God. And not only that, a lot of people are going to get their marriages healed, their lives healed, their, their, their hearts healed after doing so much damage to their lives. So in choosing to lose, I want all of us to understand that Jesus is, he could have done it, you know, with the masses, with the crowds, but he chose to go a different model and says, listen, I want, I want to include you in my ministry. I want you, as well as the 72, to be this model. And so we look further ahead, at the, we, got the, we start with the 72, and they went to the towns and villages, and then we look in the book of Acts. And we hear about this guy, this, this powerful guy named the Apostle Paul. And he comes along and he receives what the apostles, the other apostles, and maybe the 72, maybe they had a hand in it, and they, they shared with Paul. And Paul received from them. They emptied their cup into Paul's life. And then what does Paul do? Paul takes his cup that is now filled, and he finds a guy named Timothy. And not just Timothy, many other, many other Timothys, Titus. So many, the list is long. And so Paul takes what he gets and he gives it to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I have received generously. And so I'm going to take what I got from Jesus and the apostles and I'm going to empty my, empty my life so that you, Timothy, can receive what I've received. And then we have Timothy here and, and we, we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Hey, I want, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you take what you've been entrusted with. Because I chose you, I entrusted you. What I received, I gave it to you. I want you to entrust what you've received to reliable men. And so what did Timothy do? Timothy found some reliable men and he passed it on to them. And these reliable men received what Timothy gave them and they went forward and their cups were full. And this goes on and on and on until even today. And to think about this is the way that God chose to work. He, he didn't say, I'm going to go and do a, you know, this, this huge blast of, of lots and lots of people. No, this is the way I want to work. It's like a chain. Once you've received, I want you to turn around and fill other people's life until you have entrusted men and it's, it's passed all the way down to you and to me. And somebody, somewhere, maybe they're in this room, shared their faith with you. For the teens, maybe it was, you know, our youth, our youth ministry ministers or somebody else, somebody that works with the youth, and they studied the Bible with you. And you remember... They took what they had and they poured it into you. I'll never forget this. My brother-in-law, Martin Bentley, for many years, took what he received as a college student. And he would invite me to his house with my sister and they would feed me. He would take me to his, his ranch. 
you know, uh, his family ranch, and we would, we would fish, we would hunt. He would ask me questions. He would talk to me. He would not only just share, you know, about Jesus, but he shared life lessons with me. He let me drive their, 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 their farm, you know, Jeep, the track. I was, you know, maybe 10 years old and had no license. And he said, hey, jump in there and you drive it. I was so fired up. But he took what he had and he poured it into me. And he gave me what he had. And I received what he received. And all of us have gone through this, this whole process of that when, when we, we received it from somebody else. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that he took what he had and he poured it into my life. Everything that I have today as a result of somebody, my brother-in-law and others that have taken what they received and they emptied their cup into me. And you know, many of you guys think I'm in the ministry because it was a great career move. Let me just clarify, going in the ministry, not always a great career move. There's a risk involved. There's no guarantees. In fact, I started out as a single intern. Uh, I shared a, an apartment with uh, four other brothers. We slept on bunk beds. I was a college graduate still sleeping in a bunk bed. Should have been on my way. But see, somebody filled their cup and I said, you know what? I want to share it with other people. And so for the last 29 years, 25 in the ministry, this is but what I've been doing. I've been taking what I've received and what's been given to me and I've been emptying it into other people other people so they can have what I have. I've been emptying my cup. Whatever's been given to me, I've been emptying my cup into other people. And which brings us to you that are here in this room today. Here you are. And many of you are among the crowds. And you've been receiving. And you know what I appreciate about our church is that so many people believe in this principle that even this morning, real early, before you even rolled out of bed, there were people here, here at, the, at the temple this morning getting ready to receive you. While you're still in your pajamas, hair all up everywhere, you know, there were people here ready to go, getting ready for you. And you say, well, why are they doing that? Why would they do that? Because their cup was filled and they want to fill your cup. And so here you are. And your cup is getting filled. And what is it that Jesus wants to do with you and with me? And so I'm going to be more specific this week. Because last week and the week before, we've been kind of throwing it out there. You choose what you want to choose. I'm going to help you today to choose what to lose. And some of you are going to have to make some choices. This summer, we've got VBS. Guess what? We need more teachers for VBS. We don't have enough teachers. And it's going to mean for eight weeks that you're going to be here every Wednesday, Tuesday, thank you, every Tuesday, and you're going to teach our children. You're going to help our children understand that church is a blast. It's fun. That the teachings of Jesus are practical, and even a little kid can understand what Jesus is talking about. And you're going to spread seeds of faith. And some of you, you've never served in children's ministry. 
And I'm saying, your children are in our children's ministry. And your cup is getting filled up. And what are you doing with it? Not only that, but we have here our teens. And I want to include you guys, because now your teens, guess what it takes to run a teen ministry? A lot of pouring in. And you're getting poured into. But I want to encourage you guys to let that and understand this principle you're being poured into now, but there's going to come a day when God's going to want, Jesus is going to want to invite you in to be a part of this plan of passing it on. To your classmates, to your friends, when you go off to college, to take what you received and empty it into somebody else. But we need some more couples and families to help out in the teen ministry. And some of, yeah, maybe we might go in the teens. Well, hey, what's holding you back from pushing the button and getting in there and helping out? We need you to do that. Then we have guest services. You know, we had a meeting a, a little while ago with our guest services people, and they said, we need more people because it's the same people. We've not had very many new people, a couple here and there, but what's holding you back from serving in guest services? Isn't it nice that someone, when you... You come to service, or somebody's smiling, ready to greet you, and, uh, you know, and they're here whelping you, and they make sure that everything's set, the communion's set, everything is taken care of. That's an awesome thing, but we need more people to do that. Our music and production. You know, and I appreciate everybody who serves in these capacities because it is a game changer for us. We've got our faith groups. We need more people to lead faith groups. Some of our faith groups are big. They're huge, you know? And imagine being the faith group leader of that group and it's trying to like corral cats, you know? Where are they trying to get, hey, come back over here. Wait a minute, come over here. It gets crazy. Some of you need to step up and lead a faith group or assist in leading a faith group, you know, and get trained and step forward. Hey, I want to serve. I want to empty my glass into other people. And then Bible studies. When's the last time that you've done a Bible study with somebody else? You know, they're on our website. They're right there, core four. You just click the button and it takes you to the, the site and they got a list of them right there. And well, I don't know how to do them. I've never done one before. Guess what? There is a voice button. You can push it and you can listen how to do it. We've got it recorded. It'll tell you exactly how to do that Bible study. See, because somebody studied the Bible with you, didn't they? Somebody took what they had and they emptied their cup and they said, I'm going to study the Bible with you. I'm going to help you. What can you do? And some of you, you, you basically, here it is. This is the end of the line. What happens to these people over here? Is there any hope for them? See, if we're just going to be members of the crowd, and there were, there were members of the crowd. And if you're a guest here today, you're a member of the crowd, and that's okay. We're glad you're here. But I want you to understand there's a vision for your life. God has a vision for your life, and he wants you at some point in your life to step forward and be a part of this. And you know, the interesting thing is, just by receiving Jesus' teaching, maybe there's a little bit of joy, but do you know why people were really fired up after following Jesus? 
when they experimented real joy is when they got to empty their cup into somebody else, then there was real joy. There's a great example of that, the Samaritan woman. She had a life that was ruined, you know, and Jesus poured into her and told her, hey, you can start over. I know your life is a mess. You've got five husbands, and you're living with a guy now, and he's not married to you, and it's a wreck. But he said, I believe you can change. And she went back and told all the people in her hometown about Jesus, and she was so fired up that the people came from that town and said, hey, we want to know what you're doing, Jesus. If you did that for her, we want to know. And it changed a village. See, joy comes by emptying your cup. But what happens, what happens when you're here and you're a part of the crowd and basically you're just, you're just here and you're, you're receiving and you're receiving and you're receiving and you're receiving and you're receiving. Does any more fit? No more fits. And guess what happens to your joy? There's no room for joy. See, because some of you are here, and I'm, not, I'm talking to our members, not our guests, but some of you are here, and, and, and this is you. All you've been doing is receiving and receiving. And your cup is overflowing. There's no more room. And I want to encourage those of you who give so much. You guys give so much because you get to experiment the joy. You ask our volunteers. Most of them will tell you this. Most of them will tell you that they get more out of, get more out of it than, than what they give. I've had a, a few meetings this week with some of our volunteers, and I say, you know, why do you do it? Why do you do it? And it's this. See, because once you experience what it's like to be in church, it's hard to go back to everyday Sunday where you just come and you sit and you're a member of the crowd. No, you want to be in the game. And so I want to clarify it with you. We need you. Even if you're a guest here today, we need you. You know what's stopping our church from growing? This. We got a lot of people that are just receiving, receiving. And you know what it does to the other people who are giving? It, it, it's more taxing on them. Because they look around, they know, and, and they need you. We need you. And, and the amazing thing about it is, is not only that, we're with you. I appreciate so much our small group leaders because we do it together. We're side by side in this thing. We understand the challenges that we go through. And you're not going to do it alone. We're going to help each other. We're going to be there side by side. Too often, if you're just a member of the crowd, you feel alone even though you're in the crowd. But when you get in the game, you're involved with other people. And the last thing is, you need this. You need this. Because no more fits. You want to continue to grow spiritually? You want to continue to grow in your joy? And I've been doing this a long time, but you know what? I, every time I empty my cup, you know, I get more. There's room for more. There's room for more joy. There's room for more growth. I, I learn more stuff. I get to do more. I get to help more people. 
And every single person that I get to help just fills my heart with, God, thank you that I get to be a part of this. Thank you that I get to empty my cup into other people. And as for as long as I live, this is what I want to do. So let me ask you this. The people that are not here yet, if they're going to have an opportunity to receive what you have, what's going to keep them from receiving it? Your coworkers. You know, when you won't open your mouth, when you won't share it with them, when you won't invite them over for dinner, when you won't befriend them. Well, what if they, what if they you know, what if they don't respond? Hey, th- this isn't always easy. Jesus said, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. It's going to be times where people reject you. You'll study the Bible all the way through with somebody, and guess what happens? They walk away. Man, that hurts. But that doesn't give you a reason to stop emptying your cup. You see, for our church to thrive, and we do want it to thrive, this is what it's going to mean is, is more people choosing to empty their cup for those that are not yet here. And so today I want to encourage you to choose to lose. To lose some of your time. And some of you will, I'm way too busy. I don't know if I can find the time. See, that's the problem. You're going to have to basically reorganize some things in your life so you can participate in Jesus' ministry. And, you know, Jesus modeled, he always does this. He modeled it for us. And we're going to take, look, read this scripture before, before we go. And, and if you ask our, our, our volunteers, they'll say it's difficult to go back to normal everyday Sunday or even normal everyday weekly living when you've tasted purpose. When you get a taste of purpose, meaning you get a taste of what it's like to be in the game. It's hard to go back to just sitting in the aisles and the rows and not doing very much and receiving so much. It's really hard to do that. And look what Jesus, we get to get inspired by Jesus. It says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you think Jesus was fired up about going to the cross for us? That's what this scripture says. He was. Maybe there were moments where it was really hard, but what helped him get through those really, really hard moments was this, guys. This this is what helped Jesus because he realized if I go through with this for the joy set before me, the joy of this happening, that I'm going to include people in my ministry, that I'm going to pass it to them, and they're going to pass it to them, and they're going to pass it to them, and they're going to pass it to them for thousands of years. This is going to go on. And all that joy came down to Jesus. That's what we get to be a part of. And that's why it says here, for the joy set before him, Jesus went through with it. And so today when we take the communion, I want you to understand, yes, it was a tremendous sacrifice for Jesus to go to the cross. It was very hard for him, but he went through it with joy. You know why? 
because he knew that we would get our cups filled and we would fill cups of others. So I'm asking you in response to the communion today, as you take the communion today, I want to ask you to think about emptying your cup as Jesus emptied his cup and all the ones after him emptied their cup that you, and no more excuses, well, I'm in this stage of life, and I'm in this, and I got this situation. Wait a minute. There are so many people before us that have had way more difficult situations than we have. And they emptied their cup. Why? Because Jesus emptied his cup. And the 12 emptied their cup, and the 72 emptied their cup, and all the ones after emptied their cup. And somebody specifically, and you know their name, emptied their cup into you. And if you're here as a guest today, the reason you're here is because somebody wants to empty their cup into your cup so that your life can be full. So let's pray for the communion. Our Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came here to give us life, to give us, to fill our cup. And we lift up his, his sacrifice, his body and his blood that were poured out for us. We pray, Father, that you'll please help us to be willing to pour out our cup for others. Help us to come out from among the crowds and be like the 72 and say, I'm willing to go, Jesus. I'm willing to go wherever. I'm willing to serve in whatever capacity because we want to empty our cup. During this communion, we lift up Jesus. We thank you for him, that he gave it all. And we want to participate in his joy and make his joy complete. Father, we love you. Thank you for this communion. Please bless it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.